Um, every once in a while, I like to kind of share a verse that I've been kind of meditating on. And this morning, this one just struck me, and I want to share it with you. It's Psalm 16, verse 11. This isn't part of my message at all, um, but it's just always good to hear good verses. It says, you will show me the path of life. Literally, you will show you the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. We always talk about how uh, we're here to gather on his presence, right? What does that mean then? It says we can actually experience his fullness of joy right now because he's here, he's among us, he's living in you. Isn't that good? Oh, that's good. Okay, I'm done preaching. (laughs) Oh, boy. So today we're going to cover a topic that is a little bit heavy. Uh, I'm not talking about sin, okay? Pastor Nick did that a couple weeks ago. Thank you, Nick. Um, I don't need to deal with that today. But it's still an important topic that we need to to go through, we need to talk about. And as I was contemplating this theme this week, as I was preparing, I was kind of I was kind of thinking, oh, man, like, why do I have to preach on such a deep topic in the summer? You know, like, it's summertime. We don't want to hear all this deep stuff, right? And then I reminded myself, it was Holy Spirit, that there's actually no such thing as time off in the kingdom regarding our relationship with Christ. And I was like, right, okay. There's no time off for Holy Spirit light, or there's no, there's no Holy Spirit light in our existence, okay? It's, there isn't. And I think we need to actually debunk the myth that says, uh, finally, it's summertime. Oh, I'm going to disengage from life and church and work. I'm a holidays now, right? Please don't hear me wrong. All of God's heroes, okay, every single one of you need rest, okay? I'm not saying that. We all need rest. But that doesn't mean we take a break from cultivating our relationship with the Father. If anything, if we have the opportunity to to disengage from activities, it gives us that much more time to engage God, right? Yeah, one person's convinced, okay. So this morning, I want to chat with you about the journey of grief. And all God's people said, yes, grief! (laughs) No, it's actually a hard topic, okay? It's not possible to cover this whole topic in a 35-minute message, I know that. Okay, I totally know that. And I don't claim to know everything about grief either. But I have walked through it, my own version of it. And so I'll, I'll share some of that a little bit later. And also, please know that I'm not a professional psychologist. I'm not. My goal this morning is to come at grief with a spiritual perspective. Okay, so that, and, and also share with you some of my own learnings in, in the grief journey that hopefully will be helpful for you too. Okay, I want, here's, here's really the ballgame, okay? I really want us to understand how as children of heaven, how do we handle this thing called grief? What does it look like as, as royal sons and daughters to actually walk through grief? Because it comes whether we want it or not. What does, that, what does that look like? And as a kingdom people, you and I view life with heaven's glasses on. Okay, I talked about that last week a little bit. That's how we view life, with, our, with eternity's lenses. Okay, so then what does it look like for, for us to approach grief with the kingdom mindset? 
so that when it comes, we can handle it in a, in a biblical way, in a healthy way, so that we can actually get through the other side of grief and not stay in it. And so we're going to look at Psalm 116 today. In a few moments, you can turn there now if you want. But as we, as we, before we get there, um, it's, under, it's, it's important to understand that we all experience loss and grief in our life. It hits anyone at any time, right? It does. And there isn't just one way to experience grief or loss either. Okay, even from the moment we're born, we begin to experience loss. Okay, we've been hanging out in our mom's womb for nine months, and all of a sudden, whoa, what's going on? We're, it's a whole new world. There's a sense of loss. Okay, and by the time we, we hit middle school, guaranteed, We've gone through some kinds of transitions in our life. Life transitions, though sometimes exciting, are also seen as a loss. They're also losses, and we're leaving one thing behind, and we're moving to the next. You know, and there's also heavier kinds of loss as well, where grief kind of just smacks us in the face. We're not expecting it. Financial crisis, divorce, it's pretty heavy. Or moving sometimes. Uh, affairs. Job losses. Car accident. Suicide. Loss of dreams. Many of us have experienced that. Infertility. Okay, death of a parent. Or, or, or abuse. Or some kind of serious illness. Where maybe our doctor said to us that we, we have a limited time to live. You know, you may go in through your own kind of grief then. Thinking, I only have a couple years to go. Some of you here today have, have gone through grief. Okay, and much grief in your life. I understand that. Perhaps some of you are walking out your grief. You're in the tail end of it now. Or you're right in the middle of it. That's quite possible. Perhaps some of you haven't experienced grief in quite some time. And you're... You're enjoying life right now, and that's, that's awesome. But regardless of whether we're experiencing grief right now or not, we still got to talk about it. We've got to talk about it. We've got to figure out what is the biblical, healthy way to go through this stuff. You know, the Bible talks a lot about grief. Uh, depending on who you ask, anywhere from 40 to 70% of the Psalms deal with grief. And they're called laments. Okay, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. You know, weeping prophet Jeremiah wrote it. It's there. And Solomon talks about seasons of mourning and, and weeping in Ecclesiastes 3 and chapter 7. And the, oh, the book of Job. Who's read the book of Job? Wow, okay. The rest of you, read it. If you want to read about someone dealing with grief, Job's the guy, Okay. It was so bad for him, he actually cursed the day he was born. It was so heavy. Don't read it now. Please wait until you get home. Okay? But the sto his story finishes really well. It finishes well, but I encourage you to read it. It'll help you engage with, with the grief journey. So there's, there's so many examples of grief in the Bible, and we'll talk a little bit more about some throughout the message. But we're not alone. Okay? You and I are not alone. We're not the only ones who experience grief. Okay, so let's take a look then at, at Psalm 116 and how did the psalmist deal with grief? Okay, so you can turn there now. 
Psalm 116. I'll read the whole thing. This is from the New King James. It says this, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, or the cords of death. And the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. He also here says he experienced anguish of the grave. He says, I found trouble and sorrow. And then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. That's a good word. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. How many have said that? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds or you have broken my chains. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's some pretty heavy stuff in there. So what we have here in this psalm is could be a lament, but really more is, is a psalm of thanksgiving, as it both begins and ends with declarations and, and, and promises and thanksgiving of, of who God is. It's like he's coming through the other side of grief. It's like his grief journey has bookends on it, and he's able to tell his story. Not all of it, of course, but a story of, of, of pending death that this psalmist had faced. So uh, how I want to handle uh, the, this topic this morning is we're going we're gonna to bounce back and forth a little bit from Psalm 116, and then along the way, I'm going to add some of, some of what I've learned in my grief journey um, and, and kind of share with you what I like to call now my kingdom keys to walk through grief. Okay, there's three keys that I'll share with you this morning, and I'm fully aware that there's many other ways that we can walk through grief. I, I know that. <clears throat> but I just want to touch on these three um, and how they've helped me in my journey. So hopefully they'll help you. I, I wouldn't say that these keys fit into some kind of cycle of grief either. Those exist and they're, they're really great to understand. Um, these are just helpful tools, um, ideas that can probably all operate at the same time. So the first key then when it comes to, to grief and when it comes our way is is to embrace it. Em- embrace it. That sounds really, really simple. But how hard is that? Face 
your grief. We need to embrace it, accept it, and face it head on. You know, I was coming to think about that, and we're really not that great in this culture of actually really accepting our grief. Some people have a hard time with the unexpected grief in their life. And they begin to live in denial of what's actually going on. Like nothing ever happened. They may put on a false image of of being strong and saying, this grief will not wreck me. It will not destroy me. That's good. However, in the name of strength, you may be denying some of what's really going on in your soul. We may deny our our own humanity and ability that God gave us to feel and and to mourn and to express deeply our emotion. Others others of us just, we try to avoid it altogether and we may turn to different coping, negative coping mechanisms like overworking or, or underworking or staying busy. You know, we get distracted. We got to distract ourselves with work. Perhaps only focusing on the needs of other people instead of taking care of what's actually going on in here. Or we distract ourselves with isolation. We're seeking constant other distractions. You know, we'll do all we can to avoid dealing with the pain going on inside our soul. Some people cope with grief by turning to addiction. You know, they turn to alcohol or, or food or TV or sex, or pornography, or drugs. You know, author Pete Scazzaro says that, that the most promising preventative to addiction is learn to grieve. I think there's some truth to that. So, what does it look like then to actually face grief in the face? I think a good way to actually embrace grief is to do what the psalmist did. Express what's happening in your soul. It seems so simple. At one point in his life, the psalmist was facing death. And he was very expressive. Verse 1. And the NIV says, he cried for mercy. Verse 3. The pains of death, or the cords of death surrounded me, literally wrapping me up and getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And he was overcome with anguish of the grave. He shed tears in verse 8. He expressed his reality and and said he was greatly afflicted and lashed out and called everybody liars. It's not true, but... Again, he expressed how he felt that, you know, I'm just in chains. I'm in chains. Now, it could have been a literal being in chains, or it could have been this, this emotional sense of just being wrapped up in chains of death. The psalmist was very expressive. He allowed himself to express his emotions. He he talked to God. He just talked to God about whatever was going on in here. We are emotional people. Men, we're emotional people. Women, you're emotional people. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's human to express what's happening in our souls. Okay, do not deny the expression of your soul. Don't deny it. Even King David knew this. He knew the importance of expressing his emotion during deep loss and grief and was so convinced at the passing of his best friend Jonathan and his father Saul that when when they died, he actually wrote 
uh, he wrote a song to ex- deeply express his emotion and his grief. And he actually commanded people to, to read it. And he commanded his kids, their kids, to, to be, uh, commanded the parents to teach it to their kids. And you can read that in 2 Samuel 1, 17 and following. In Hebrews 5, 7, when referring back to Jesus, it mentions how he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement or, or passionate cries and tears to the Father when facing his coming death. So even Jesus expressed grief and, and sorrow. You know, expressing our emotions is it's not easy. I, I know that. It may be quite difficult. <clears throat> but we're emotional beings, and it's okay. It's okay. Part of becoming a psalmist, like I've talked about, through this summer, is allowing yourself to fully express what's happening in your soul. That's what it means. One of the the things it means to become a psalmist. And don't hold back. Don't hold back. God's big and can take what's going on in here. So let me give you a quick, couple quick tips uh, along with that point before we move on to the next key. Just a couple. One, do not ever compare your grief with the grief of others. Just, just don't do that. Okay, everyone's grief is legit. Okay, everyone's kind of loss is completely valid. In other words, don't ever think or especially say, "Why are they taking that so hard?" What? I mean, it's just a loss of their dog. It's not like it was a human. Like, don't, don't say that. Okay, just don't say that. That's that's wrong. Okay. And then also, do not cheat yourself out of your own grief. By comparing it to someone else, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm good, I'm all good. It's just a loss of a dream. It's not, it's not like my mom or dad died or anything like that. No. That's grief. Don't cheat yourself out of your grief journey by comparing it to someone else's more severe loss. Okay? And then really quickly here, allow others to mourn and grieve well. That's kind of hard. Because... We like to fix things, right? They're coming up to us, oh, I got Bible verses for that. You know, no, just shh. Just listen. Just listen to them. Let them vent. Let them mourn. Let them talk and just be a listening ear. Okay? There's a time and a place to speak life and truth into people. But use great wisdom and most often choose listening over speaking. Okay? When allowing others to mourn. And they're going to vent, and that's okay. The best thing to do is just listen to them. Okay. You know that grief is, is the unexpected and uninvited guest in our life? It is. And what it does is it comes in and sits in our living room without being asked. It's true. Okay? We need to learn how to accept, how to accept this uncomfortable guest but remember that that guess is temporary, okay? But if we ignore grief or we don't manage it properly, grief will act as if it owns the house, okay? Grief will act as if it owns the house. And this leads to my next point. It's important to realize that when we embrace grief and allow ourselves to express what's happening in our hearts, what holds grief... What what holds grief's hand is uncertainty, confusion, times of 
unknowns. Okay? And in that, my second point is do not allow grief to have the final word. Don't allow grief to have the final word in your life. Do not. There is a dark side to grief that you and I must all be aware of. Okay, and if we're not careful, it will take over our lives. I'm hear me closely, please. There's a biblical side to grieving. Okay, grieving's good. There's a biblical side to it and biblical side to mourning, but there's also a dark side to grieving, and I want you to hear me closely. Remember, grief is an uninvited guest. But now that grief is in your house, we don't actually want to deny it and kick it out the door. Well, we want to, but we shouldn't. Because what will happen is grief will keep coming and knocking on that door until you actually invite it in, place it on the living room, and embrace it for a period of time. Okay? It's, it's weird, but it's true. It's true. Now, I said that grief has a dark side. The dark side of grief comes from the enemy of our souls. The devil. And he uses grief to gain more access to you and I if we're, if we're not careful. Like I said earlier, grief likes to hold hands with, with uncertainty and confusion and especially doubt. And here's a little tidbit here. I actually believe that doubt is a very slippery slope towards the valley of unbelief. Watch out for that one. One of the biggest things about grief is that it lies about God. It's true. This is what happens during our most vulnerable times during grief when, when we're expressing feelings and emotions uh, from our soul. And sometimes we're going to say things that just aren't true, are not truth, rather. Okay? For example, David in Psalm 22 he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how he felt. That's not the truth. Joshua 1.9 says what? 1.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the truth. There's a big, big, big difference. Okay, so what happens? Here is how the dark side of grief works. As you express those feelings, the enemy speaks through grief and will say something like this. Are you sure he didn't abandon you? Are you sure? Are you sure you're not alone? Because you really feel like it. Are you sure that you can trust God? Uh, I don't know. I'm not so certain God's actually there for you. Then what happens is that doubt begins to creep in. And soon we begin to believe the lie that what? That we're actually abandoned by God. And then it gets worse. Anxiety creeps in. Anything grief partners with. Anxiety. Isolation. Despair. Loneliness. Or worse, a crippling fear that just sits in the basement of your soul. Or perhaps anger crept in and you become full of rage. Maybe you do have that sense of hopelessness because if God abandoned me, then there's no hope. How could I ever have hope if God abandoned me? See how that works? Are you, is this making sense? Okay. The devil, hear this, 
The devil works tirelessly to get grief, to, to take up permanent residence in our souls and to paralyze you. That's his job. And that's what will happen if we allow it to. Okay, so friends, the uninvited guests will come in, uninvited guests of grief, put it in the living room. Do not invite it to your bedroom. Do not. Grief does not belong there. Okay, it does not. This is why, friends, it's so important that as Christ followers, Christ in us, we're the ones who control grief. Grief does not and cannot control us. That is true. Do not let it control you. It wants to. But in Christ, Christ controls the grief. Okay? So, allow yourself to embrace the grief for a period of time. And then you do that by expressing and talking to God about everything going on in your soul. Everything. Carte blanche. Private journal. And don't allow grief to rule and reign in your soul. Then the question becomes, are you, are you going to trust the grief or are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust the grief or are you going to trust God? Now, there is a way to avoid allowing grief the final word in our journey. There is a way. There is a way to biblically, biblically come out the other side of grief. I can't tell you how long that is. It's different for everybody and for everything. I don't know how long that journey is. But the third kingdom key I want to share with you is, is simply this. It's, it's to trust and stay close to the Father. Trust and stay close to the Father. That's so important. I, I've shared parts of this follow, the following journey with you before, but nothing about what I'm going to share with you right now. <clears throat> Some years ago, uh, my family and I were living this, we were living our dream. It was our dream. Okay, we were living and working in Mexico City and, and doing amazing things in the lives of Mexican people. God was doing amazing things. Demons were being cast out regularly in front of our eyes. It was awesome. People were being set free. People were being baptized and meeting Jesus and telling people about Jesus. The church plant was growing. It was awesome. We were living our dream. And then one day, our world came crashing in. Came crashing in when our family went through some severely traumatic experiences. The protection of our family had been violated, and I I was left angry and confused. I, I felt abandoned by God, and I wasn't sure what he was doing. I didn't get it. I didn't know why we had to go through those specific situations. It didn't make sense to me. It wasn't, it wasn't fair. But as a result of having to confront the reality of coming back to Calgary and leaving Mexico uh, so we could heal and we could you know, see therapists and psychologists, I was even more upset and confused and, and wondering, where's, where's God in all of this? You know, why did we have to be pulled out of the ministry when it was going so well? It was going awesome. Like, really, coming back to Calgary was unwelcoming and uninviting and really cold. Except for this past week, praise Jesus. Right? But it was cold. It was middle of winter. Like, really, winter, interesting. I didn't want to leave. 
but it was actually the best thing for my family, and so we did. You know, I felt like one of those plush toys that you see in amusement parks or rec centers where you put a coin in and this big glass box and this claw comes and pulls down and picks a toy, and I felt like that. You know, like we were doing life in, in Mexico, and God came like this big claw and reached down and pulled their family up and plopped a speck in Calgary. That's how I felt. It hurt. It hurt. And I wrestled with God for months after, not getting what this was all about. At some point after we came home, Stan and I went to Toronto to see some uh, doctors and therapists. And, and my grief was so deep that one of the therapists suggested that I was, I was shaken to the core of my beliefs. I was like, do I actually believe this God who I claim to follow? I bet you many of you have been there. And, and it's like, it's like I, I, I struggled to believe that the God who could harden Pharaoh's heart was, was the same God who did not step in in the way I thought he would. How many of you struggled with that? You don't have to raise your hand. But sometime after, the Holy Spirit reminded me of, of a time that Jesus was, was giving a real tough message. John 6. And he's talking about being the bread of life and, and how if you don't eat my, my flesh or drink my blood, you have no part of me. And people are like, what? They, they didn't get what he was saying. And so it actually says some of his, many of his disciples, not just stragglers, disciples, left Jesus. The teaching was too hard. And then he turns to the 12 and he goes, hey, guys. Are you going to leave me too? And Peter, this is, I resonated with, with his answer. And Peter kind of, in my mind, he looked around. He says, where else are we going to go? And really, there is no one else to go to. And he'd seen too much and experienced too much to leave him now. There's no way he was going to leave. And that's kind of how I felt. I was shaken to the core of who I was. But I looked back and I says, there's no one else to go to. And I believe that what happened then can happen again in my life. And then I heard him say to me, oh, God is so good. He said, Nathan, <clears throat> trust me. <laughs> I'm like, what? Trust you? Are you kidding me? I don't even know who you are anymore. And you want me to trust you? Come on. He says, trust me. And then he spoke these verses over me. I hope you've experienced this. Where you read a verse a thousand times, and the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes over you. And you see this verse is like the first time you've ever seen it. And it lands in the deepest part of your soul and impacts you deeply. That's what happened to me. If that hasn't happened, just pray for it. That's what the Holy Spirit does with Scripture. So he spoke these verses, and they've impacted me ever since in the way I see them. And he said very gently, as he always does, Oh, Nathan, trust me with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding of what's actually happening right now. And in all your ways you're walking now and in all the ways that you're walking in the future, acknowledge me. 
Look to me and I promise I will direct your path. And I was like, whoa. That finally makes sense. See, friends, trusting God is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable, okay? It's risky. And and trusting God is hard and can be really difficult. Why? Because Jesus says, trust me with all your heart, not some of your heart. All of it. Don't just give me some of your heart. Nathan, give me all of your heart. And he says the same to all of you. All of your heart. He says, don't just trust me when life's easy and when life's good. Okay, Trust me in the tough times. Trust me when your life is out of control. Trust me in your grief. You see, these verses actually mean that Jesus wants to take us beyond our limits of understanding. You see, it's easy, like I said, it's easy to trust Jesus when things are going good. As long as I can logically make sense of this, what's going on in my life, I can trust Jesus, right? As long as there's solutions, I can trust him. That makes sense. I may not totally get everything, and I can't put all the pieces together, but I still feel okay, and and things make sense to me. Friends, that is leaning on our own understanding. Okay, that is not the kind of trust Jesus is talking about here. Okay, Jesus says, no, 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 Nate, you, no. This is how it is. He says, this is your understanding between point A and point B. Okay, it comes to a point. This point right here, point B. It says, where you get it, where you can make sense of life, and everything's logical in here. It's not really too hard. Okay, but you can only come this far. In your own understanding. This is your limit. But hey, Nate, I'm not there. Jesus says, I'm not at your limit of understanding. You are. I'm way out here. This is where Jesus is hanging out. Okay? This is the risky part. That's risky. Jesus says, you see, you don't know what's going to happen on this side. But I do. This... You don't know if it's going to be safe, but I know. And you don't know if you're going to be able to control this situation, but I can. Mm. But this is where I want you to go. That's what Jesus is saying. Beyond your limits of understanding, go there. And it's in that area that he wants us to go, but it's in that area that life is hard. Okay, this, it's, it, that's the area of uncertainty and confusion and unknowns in our journey of grief. And it's in the middle of the grief storm that Jesus calls you to get out of the boat and walk on water. Right in the middle. See, God's goodness and God's faithfulness is not dependent upon our level of understanding in our life. I hope that lands on you. God's goodness and God's faithfulness does not depend upon our level of making sense of the situation. He's good regardless of how you understand it. He's in the storm. Okay, he's actually in the center of the storm, and he's, 
going to see you through the storm. Our Father is good. He is trustworthy. He is faithful even in the midst of your grief. Well, the third kingdom key I'd mentioned is to trust and stay close to the Father. These, these two things kind of work hand in hand. Like the, the, the closer we stay to the Father, the easier it is to trust Him. And staying close means, like I mentioned, you're venting and embracing all these emotions in the grieving process. does not mean just speaking to yourself or speaking to other people. It means actually talking to God. It actually talk to God what you're feeling and going through. Talk to Him, vent to Him. Keep engaged with Him in the journey. Let me show you something actually very astounding uh, that happens when we are open with Him. Okay, verse 1 and 2 again of Psalm 116. This blows my mind. Check this out. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications or my cry for mercy because He's inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon Him as long as I live. Friends, do you know what that means? <laughs> okay, this literally means that, you know how you lean over to your kid because they want to whisper into your ear? God actually leans his ear over to hear you speak into his ear. He's like inclining himself to you. He's moving himself towards you. That's beautiful. He's not just some distant God in the sky who says, take care of stuff on your own. No, he's actually listening to your cry. Not only does he listen from the throne, he actually wants to hear you, and he leans his ear right in. Friends, that is so good. That rocked me. But we need to trust that he's actually inclining his ear to us. Because he does. But we need to move towards him. We can incline his ear only once, but if you're way over there, he can't hear what you're saying. Well, I mean, he can, but you get it. Come on, work with me. Okay, one last way. Worship him, you guys can come up. One last way to stay close to him, to, to the Father, is really is helping me, and I'm living this out more and more, is to make declarations of God's goodness and his faithfulness and your identity in Christ. Okay, This will build up your trust and relationship in him in the midst of whatever you're going, th- whatever you're going through. Declare verses like Psalm 116, 1 and 2, like we just we just read, and then verse 10, and, and Psalm 34, it's amazing. Verse 8, 17 and 18, says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good in your grief. I added that. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles, not just some, How many? All. (laughs) The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's graphic. But he saves you. (laughs) Nahum 1 verse 7 is kind of double whammy. It says the Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble 
He cares for those who trust in Him. He cares for you. Trust Him. Just trust Him. And Romans 8, 35-37, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or grief? No. In all things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? Yes. Perhaps perhaps the most hopeful passage, if those aren't hopeful enough for you, that we can soak in and really believe that, that we have this anchor of hope in our lives. And that grief is temporary. This is so in Isaiah 53. Okay? 3 and 5. He said, it says, He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, this is Jesus, and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Come on. Isn't that good? Wow, there's comfort there. Jesus is our hope and our peace. And the anchor upon which we can make it through to the other side of grief. There's no other anchor that'll do that. A kingdom mindset lives from above and speaks into the grief. Speaks encouragement and builds up. And as you learn to trust the Father in your grief and you stay close to Him and you make declarations of His goodness and His faithfulness and your identity in Him, what happens? I believe it's happened to me. I believe that you will begin to walk through grief and be on the other side. Again, I, I don't know. I don't know how long that process is for you or will be. I don't know. But in Christ Jesus, you and I are more than conquerors. Yeah. Grief will not define us. It will not define us. We will face it. We will walk through it. And we will overcome it. I'll say amen for you. So these three kingdom keys, okay, to journey through grief. Embrace it. Don't give grief the final word. It's dangerous. And trust and stay close to the Father. I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. We're going to speak declarations over ourselves. But before I do that, I want to, I just want to pray for any of you who are going through grief. You don't have to stand or raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. Just close your eyes. <clears throat> Father, you are good. And Lord, I thank you that we can trust you in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our grief. We can, we can trust you. And Lord, there are people in, 
in, in this house, in your house, who are struggling with grief, different, different kinds of grief, Lord. And maybe there are some who haven't even shared that grief with other people. But Lord, you know, you know exactly what's going on. So I just, I ask for you just breathe peace upon them right now. Just breathe peace from heaven over everybody. Those who are going through grief, those who are not. And Lord, we speak to anxiety and say, you bow at the name of Jesus. So Lord, just bless, bless your kids who are walking through grief right now. May their ears be inclined to you, and as you incline yours to them, that they would speak into your ear. Just build their trust, Lord. Just build their trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, let's finish on a high note. So would you all stand with me? <clears throat> this is a practice that I encourage all of you to regularly get into. It's declarations. Okay, so I'm going to say, there's probably ten. I'm going to say a declaration and I want you to repeat it nice and loud. Okay? Nice and loud. When grief comes, I will embrace it. I will not deny it. I will not give grief the final word. Grief does not define me. Grief does not define me. Christ defines me. Yeah, good. The Father loves me. And I love the Father. He listens closely to me. And He protects me. Oh, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. I have complete hope in Christ. I have complete joy in Christ. I want to hear the back. I have complete joy in Christ. Come on. I am an overcomer. One again. I am a conqueror. And I am victorious. I am victorious. Blessings on all of you. Have an awesome week. See you later.